everybody. Welcome to the Board Game Mechanics. I am Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey guys, what's going on? It's Jason. I am virus-free, and that's the way to be. Yes, welcome to the podcast within the podcast, Surviving COVID-19, or the United States is a zombie apocalypse. Good thing we have board games to keep us occupied while we're quarantined. I know. It makes me just kind of, it makes, bleh, I can't talk. It makes me kind of feel like I am in The Walking Dead, which is a little weird and scary. I know. Someone was talking about like, oh, getting your shotgun or whatever. I'm like, no, you don't use a shotgun. Use a katana to take care of zombies. <laughs> yeah, they've clearly never watched the show. I mean, come on. I have never watched the show. I don't know anything about Walking Dead. And they're zombies. Well, yeah, that's essentially it. You stab them or cut their head off or whatever. No, um... I the one zombie movie I don't I don't really watch zombie movies because they're like one of my least favorite supernatural characters. I really like um, I think Last Man on the Earth or something with Vincent Price. Oh uh, yeah 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 that one's good. I thought you were gonna say Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh yeah, that's the second zombie movie. Okay, only two. Those are the only two. I don't think I've ever seen another zombie movie because I they're just gross and pretty weird. They're boring. I think. Yeah, definitely low on the totem pole. For me, of supernatural creatures. Yep. I agree. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering, everybody, uh, zombies rank pretty low. It's actually not even going to be zombies. It's going to be like all the adults get killed off and it's only children left. Yeah, like that crazy Star Trek episode that we were talking That's about right. earlier. They predicted it. You can, you can go look that up if you don't know what we're talking about. The original series, the best captain. Oh, that is... Captain James Tiberius Kirk. Don't even Kirk. try to throw that in there. The podcast within the podcast, the best captains in Star within Trek. Within the podcast. We're already in the COVID-19 podcast. Now we're in the Star Trek podcast. Within the COVID-19 podcast. And <laughs> it is clear, clear that Patrick Stewart was the best captain. I agree to disagree. You're, you're just wrong. Original series is far superior. Whatever. No way. No way. Jonathan Frakes? Come on. Yeah. Riker's awesome. Data's awesome. I mean, Data's from Next Generation. Forget that. Scrap oh. that. Sorry. Spock is awesome. I mean, I do love <laughs> Leonard Nimoy so much, but we have we definitely have gone into the Trekkie podcast now. That's Yeah, that's true. Let's take a left turn and let's go talk about some board games. All right. Fine. Okay, um, today, this episode, I want to talk about a few things in the news. Um, the first one I talk about is a really strange themed game, and I can't decide if I would actually like it. Uh, it's, is this the weird Shakespeare one? Yes. It's a game called Captain's Gambit. Um, and Captain's Gambit, it's like an asymmetric social deception game. So you have like a hidden role, and based on your role, you're allowed to do certain actions, but you are trying to misdirect and mislead. Um, so you can just outright lie and, and say so you can do actions when you can't. And so you're like trying to call out people on that. Uh, very similar to like hoax or coup. Um, but there are 12 different characters. So this plays four to eight players. So you have to have at least four, which is a little bit difficult for us sometimes to, to have just four. But there are 12 different characters based on Shakespearean characters like Puck and uh, Lady Macbeth and Ophelia and um, I was trying to think of who else was the Hamlet. It's just, but it's set in space. So if it were just Shakespeare themed, I'd be like, yes, I'm so on this. But it's like they gave these Shakespeare characters to space aliens. 
And y'all know how I feel about space. So I am having like a serious, almost existential crisis over this game because I can't decide whether I want to like it or not because it is the weirdest mashup um, as far as theme goes that I've seen. Uh, but if that sounds intriguing to you, and it, it's pretty interesting to check out, there are 19 days left on that Kickstarter and um, the base game is only 22 bucks, which it should be pretty low for being just a card-based kind of game. But that's Captain's Gambit. Is Falstaff in this? I I don't know. I didn't see who all the characters were. He's my favorite one just because he's like the the large in the margin guy, and that makes me happy. It, there could be more than just Falstaff. Like, I don't understand why that's your, like, go-to. I don't know. He's just the one name that I can remember outside of, like, Romeo and Juliet, so it makes me feel smart. <laughs> Do you know what play he's from? A Shakespeare one? Uh, yes, obviously. <laughs> so no, I do not. Yeah, the, the subtitle for this is Captain's Game, but Kings of Infinite Space. So that's just what hurts me real bad about it. Like, oh gosh, why? Why would you do that to my It's weird enough that it could be cool, I think. I See, Prospero, Prospero Lady Macbeth, and Hamlet. Um... Iago, Portia, Lady Macbeth. Lady Macbeth is like a brain with one eyeball. Puck, Cordelia, Brutus, Romeo, Juliet, Richard III, and Rosalind. So no. I'm out. <laughs> like you weren't out before. It's just. Well, I didn't say that. I'm definitely out now, though. They all look. Re- uh, they're just really weird looking. And uh, I don't. I, yeah, I don't, don't know. know. It's all good. Yeah. We don't have to like it. Yeah, but it, it certainly is interesting. And some of the things that you do, like you're, you don't really, um, like you are attacking players and stuff. Um, and you can kill them, but each of the characters has like a different goal. So sometimes those goals can, you can succeed in them like after you're dead even. So I think it kind of has like a cool twist on the social deduction kind of deception type game. So it's worth checking out. Captain's Gambit. Super strange. The next one um, you actually posted about in the Riveted today. Well, at the time this is being recorded. So this is the second expansion for the Harry Potter Battle of Hogwarts deck building game. And this is called Charms and Potions. So I'd like to give you more information than that. But essentially the post from USIopoly says, hey, new expansion coming soon. And yeah, I do know that. What's her name? Uh, Parkinson. Pansy. Pansy Parkinson and one of her nitwit partners from Slytherin is in there. But outside of that, I have no idea. Not all Slytherins are bad. In my eyes, they are. You don't know. Except for Snape. Snape's the man. He's the hero of the story. I I don't know. I have have lots to say about it, but I won't. It looks... I'm so excited. I love Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Um... And so anything that gets me more cards and like builds on that, I am I'm for it. I'm here for it. Yeah, for sure. And they're also as a a bonus, I guess, making some card sleeves. Oh yeah, because I love sleeving cards. What? We don't even we don't even like cards. What? I mean we 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 do like cards. This game is we cards. Do, we don't even like sleeves. I make fun of sleeve people. I was being sarcastic, but these cards in this game do kind of suck. 
So the sleeves would be helpful. Well, and I, I think they just suck because we play, we do play it quite a bit. Like I, we played a lot and I always play Hermione. So I'm constantly shuffling those cards because I'm so devoted to being her every time we play. Um, so I think that's why it's not quite so good. Oh, so yeah. there's a fifth player. Um, so Ginny Weasley is a playable character. There was already a fifth player. There was Luna. You could have been Luna before. Right. But. So you have another game board for her and stuff for Ginny oh, too. Oh, nice. That's, that's cool. Um, so you've got yeah, their new villains to add Pansy and Marcus Flint. Um, there's more spells, items, allies. You've got Ascendio. You've got Lavender Brown as an assistant who I don't want her to assist me. But um, it's like four new packs of content. So that is – I'm like so excited. And I mean – Yeah, we'll probably get this I'll one. live with the card sleeves, but holy crap, like – I love this game so much, and uh, I can't wait to have more cards. Oh, I love it. For sure. Yep. And we'll post something on the page when it gets closer. Oh, to yeah. Out. I will be definitely keeping an eye out for that one. My next game is a card game that looks really interesting because it's basically modernizing an old classic game that really is truly terrible. And the game is called Bold Made, M-A-D-E, and it is like – um. I'm taking the game Old Maid and bringing it into the 21st century. So the idea that we still have the game Old Maid, it's still on every store shelf, is ridiculous. Because why in the world are we playing a game where you are punished when you get the Old Maid card? And the fact that we even use the term Old Maid is so uh, misogynistic. It's stupid. I'm getting on my feminist soapbox. But so what? You don't want to get married. You're not an old maid. Doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. And so this game is kind of celebrating that. It has 40 cards of like influential, powerful women like RBG. If you don't know, the notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, Catherine Johnson. She's like the NASA mathematician um, who just recently passed away, actually. Uh, Maya Angelou, a fantastic um, poet. Um, all sorts of women in this card game, great role models. So you can play it like a, at a really basic level where you're collecting three sets of bold women in like different categories. Like they have, um, women in music, women in science, women in math. Um, and so there's those like entertainment, there's those type of things. So you can just do like a really easy version with like younger kids playing that. Or, um, there's also these strategy cards that you can add in that, like make it more difficult to that set collecting so then you can kind of take it to the next level. Um, I think it looks awesome. The artwork is also really cool. There are 20 days left on this Kickstarter and it's only 20 bucks for a deck. And I feel like like this is what that's what she said is really all about. Um, a game that is celebrating powerful women and their contributions to the world. So that's bold made. All right, give it to me. I have so much to say, but people who listen to this won't know that I'm joking. So I'm just going to keep it to myself. <laughs> we were looking at, especially, and see, we were looking at our like statistics and we're like, our, our listenership <laughs> is like 97% men or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so men out there, you know how amazing women are. I know none of you are the kind of jerks that I've run into who think I don't know how to play games because I'm a woman who try to quarterback my turns at a game when I completely know how to not only play but win. Do women not like that? 
shocking as it may seem, <laughs> I don't like that. I know uh, that our listeners are the men out there who will look me in the face instead of somewhere lower when they're talking to me. I know that you are all fine, upstanding men. Yeah, I hate when people look at my boobs when I'm playing Shut games. up. <laughs> because feminism is not about me- women over men. It's about men and women together in partnership. And I think this is an awesome, fun little game. Great way to take a twist on something that's kind of a ridiculous old game that we have everywhere. Simple. I agree. That's my soapbox. I'll get off of it. Thank you. And just so everybody knows, I'm just messing with Katie. I like to say things that get her riled up because it's funny to me. I don't really. I'm just messing around. It's just a joke. No. So Jason take, take super supports me. He is like the most um, supportive husband. He thinks women can do anything. He's raising our two girls to believe that there are no limitations for them, that there are no girl colors, boy colors. There's no girl toys, boy toys. They can have whatever job they want. Um, no, he is a proud part of him. He's like, I don't care if you go out and make a whole ton of money. Great. Then I don't have to work as hard. Like he doesn't care. So he, yep. he, and, and he's going to back bold made for me because I just said all that. <laughs> well, and because I'm raising my daughter, right. She likes the youngest one likes to play old maid. So we have played a lot of old maid with that one actually. So I think we need to get bold made to mix it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that does sound kind of neat actually. Yeah, that's cool. All right. That's all for my news because Jason has some news that he surprisingly did some work on. That's right. I did some work. I found some stuff. I can't make you guys think that I don't do anything. So I wanted to do something. So I'm going to talk about the Origins Awards that were announced today. So these are, these are the nominees that are going to be the people who go to Origins in June are going to be voting on in certain categories to be the best board game or card game or whatever of that category. As long as the coronavirus doesn't cancel Origins. Correct. And that would make me really sad. Let's not talk about that. I'm about to cry. It'll never happen. <laughs> All right. So in this, these awards, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven categories. I'm not going to go through all of them because some of them are games that we don't ever talk about on the channel, but I will talk about a few. So the first one I wanted to talk about was the best board game of Origins. And there are eight nominees. There's Cloudspire which is from the company that does Too Many Bones, mm. Colors of Paris from Super Meeple, um, Guardian's Call from Druid City Games. That's your hottie with the mohawk. Yeah. James <laughs> Hudson. Parks. I feel you. Yeah. Parks from Keymaster, which probably has my vote. Woohoo. Uh, Porter, which I disagree with because it's a reprint. Yeah. But I love it. So is this supposed to be like the best games of the last year or what? Well, the criteria is the game had to be released between November 15th of 2018 and November 14th of 2019. Um, so technically this one, this version was released then, but I still disagree. But yeah, I, yeah, I think that's stupid. All right. And there's three more in this category. There's Red Alert, Space Fleet War, don't care, Tanari, IDW Games, never heard of it, and Tricky Tides, which is great. That's good. It's very good. It's not better than Parks, but it's good. It's, I mean, it's not better than Parks. Parks should win this, in my opinion, because it's everywhere and is everything that I think this award should be for. Right. I mean, Predator Porter is a great game. A great game. Oh, yeah. It was a great game sure. when it was first released however many years ago. Right. Yeah. So I'm only going to talk about one more category, and that's card game. So the first one was board games, and I will do card game. There's someone here that I've never heard of. Um, 
Cogs and Commissars from Atlas Games. The name's awesome. Don't turn around. Uh oh. The Commissar. Yeah, that's all I think uh, of when I hear that. <laughs> DC deck building game Rebirth. I don't know what the Rebirth is. Um, Embers of a Memory, a Throne of Glass game. Never played it. Don't know. Well, that's based on like a, a book series that I've read. Uh, definitely don't know it. Uh, Kamigami Battles, River of Souls from Japanime. So that's cool that they got on the list. Uh, Lock Up, a role player tale, which is like the adventure exploration game from role player, I think. Mm. Shuffle Grand Prix from Bicycle, which is weird. What? And Undo Cherry Blossom Festival, which we got at Origins last year, and I played with Brandon. Pretty good, but not as good. I don't agree with any of these. My problem is that I haven't heard of any, almost any of games in either category. So I must just be really sheltered. I don't know. I'm just like looking around the room. Like there has to be a better card game than all of these. Well, I, I don't know. It just feels like we're missing something here. My problem is I don't even, I don't know when stuff comes out. I just know when I see it, I'm like, ooh, that seems interesting. I don't keep track of when it was published, the year it was published. I don't keep track most of the time of who publishes it. I hardly keep track of who actually, like, designed the game. And I feel terrible because all you people in the industry, I'm so sorry, but I don't pay attention to any of that. I'm like, is this game good or not? Does it play well? Um, does it fit my style or does it fit some someone's style that maybe I want to introduce to the hobby or help move along the hobby? I don't care right. who made it, what company put it out, and when it was made. So I'm really bad at these award things because I don't know whenever anything comes out. Yeah, no one really cares except for people who care, I guess. So like <laughs> That makes sense. No one really cares well, except the people that really care. <laughs> what I mean Good is job. like... Nerds like us who do a, a podcast or, you know, so we should who care, are su- but we super don't. Into it. That's true. That's why we're we only care pretty less okay. Than most. Yes. Yeah, that's true. We're only pretty okay. Like, we got to get to that next bar, we really need to know this kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. I guess we're going to settle for pretty okay then because I'm probably <laughs> never going to learn that stuff. Yeah, and that's fine. So, yeah, there's like four more categories on these boards. If you want to look, there's like war game, historical game, party game, family game. So, I'll put a link to it in somewhere on our page. Just so you can check it out if you're interested. So that's the Oregon Oregon Origins Awards nominees of 2020. Yeah. So if there's some on there, you're like, oh, yeah, Katie, you should know this. Why don't you play this? Like, yeah, go ahead and give us a shout on that. We're like rant about stuff that you think should be there. Because I certainly don't know what came out from November of 2018 to November of 2019. True. Yep. So that's all I got. All right. Let's go to our gaming glossary. All right, so we're heading into the gaming glossary. We've been doing this almost every week. There have been a couple where I think we forgot to add it to the the outline, but whatever. We're pretty okay. We already went over that. So um, first thing I want to talk about this week, I'm going to talk about one and Katie will talk about one, but I'm going to talk about semi-cooperative and cooperative games. And we looked back through, I could have swore we'd done cooperative games before, but according to that line, we have not. So if we yeah. did, just pretend like you've never heard it before. And, you know, again, we're pretty okay. So let's start with cooperative. So a cooperative game is a game where basically everyone's kind of playing together. You can talk to each other. You can help plan each other's moves. Um, everyone's taking their own individual turns, but you're kind of working together to accomplish a goal. It's everybody versus the game. So the game's trying to kill you, maybe trying to bring a pandemic onto the land and wipe everybody else, 
everybody out with COVID-19, that type of thing. Mm. And you're trying to find cures for diseases and so on and so forth. So that's a cooperative game. For example? For example, Pandemic, which everybody should know about. Especially now. Um, yeah, especially now. Um, Freedom the Underground Railroad. Oh, yeah. Good game. Black Orchestra. Even better game. Um, Rising Five, The Runes of Astros. Just to name a few. Um, there's a whole bunch of cooperative games. It's exploding in popularity because people like to play like that. So if you're looking for one, probably try Pandemic first because it's everywhere. And it's pretty much the basis for every other cooperative game. Once you learn Pandemic, most of the other cooperative games will make sense after that point. And I think that the appeal of the cooperative game is especially high, well, for two different groups. One, for people who really are basically new to gaming and they're maybe not sure of themselves or, you know, they like having, like, okay, there's not as much pressure on me because these other people who really are good at games are here to help kind of sort things out. Or, right. yeah. yeah, or there's people that are... um just really big Care Bears, like even more so than Jason. And they don't want any conflict. They they just want um, everyone to get along, to work together. And so cooperative is the ultimate of that for sure. Right. Yep. Agree. So to go along with that kind of is a little subset called semi-cooperative. So what that is, is it can kind of go a couple of different ways. Basically, it can be a cooperative game where everybody's kind of playing together. And if you can't win together, you all lose. But whoever has the most points wins. Or you can it can be a cooperative game where sometimes in the point uh, during the game, somebody can flip and then they become evil and start taking on everybody else. So that's kind of a hidden trader game, but it's similar focus on here. So a game that comes to mind when I think of semi-cooperative, there are two. There's Le- Marvel Legendary deck building game. Mm-hmm. Because you're all playing together, and if the game wins, everybody loses. But if you win as a group, whoever has the most points wins the game. I don't normally play it like that because it's stupid, but that's technically how the rule is. And the second one that I can think of is CO2 from Vital Acerta. And what you're trying to do in this is you're trying to keep the pollution down to a certain parts per million. And if you can't do that, everybody loses. So it's a it's a competitive game, but you're all working together to make sure that you're building green power plants and all that to keep the pollution down because if it gets too high, everybody loses, and that's no fun. So that's kind of a semi-cooperative, not really working together, but you kind of are. Um, yeah, I actually really like semi-cooperative because I like working together with other people, but I also like to win. So it's kind of nice to have that competitiveness plus you know, the nice working together piece. Yeah, I agree. That's why I don't really like cooperative because I feel like I people just take my turns for me or I take other people's turns for me and that's no fun. So semi-cooperative is a little bit cooler in my opinion as well. All right. And I am going to talk about two different but yet completely related types of games. And those are CCGs and LCGs. So a CCG, um, also sometimes called a TCG, is a collectible card game, or TCG is trading card game. Um, and those are games that, like, you get packs that are randomized, they're unknown, so it's just lots of booster packs that you use to try and build um, the decks that you play with. This is super popular Old as Dirt, Magic, Pokemon, and the newest Keyforge, prime examples of CCGs, TCGs. Um, the thing that I like about them is that 
opening up a booster pack when you don't know what's in there is like gambling for children. Like there is the thrill of the unknown of hoping you're going to get like a legendary or a rare or whatever. Um, the card that everyone's been wanting, like there's just something fun about like, it's like scratch off lottery tickets. Like, Ooh, we're probably not going to win, but maybe, and you still do it anyway. Like to me, that's the appeal of CCGs and TCGs. Um, to me, the downside of, of it is the people with the most money do the best in these games and they develop a meta that. I feel pushes out all sorts of actual fun, um, casual gameplay. I mean that I totally agree. CCG players are the worst. And and I feel bad saying that, um, kind of, but I for the most part have yet to be proven wrong. I I know very few TCG and CCG card players that aren't complete holes. Bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I just I don't understand it. They also tend to be really exclusionary of women, and I don't understand that either. Because let me jump in. I'm not going to say they're all holes, but I will say that the competitive people, yes, nine times out of ten are the worst. Like if you're just playing with some buddies or something, it's fine. CCGs are fine. Right, and the draft system that they've been developing for a lot of the CCGs is helping that the casual fun game with your friends. Right. It's like those poker players that wear sunglasses that no one wants to play with even when you're just playing for fun. Yes. CCG players are like those guys. And that is not fun. They don't talk to you. They don't look at you. They just play their game. They beat you down with their $12,000 decks and you go home crying to your mom. That's kind of how it works. And that's not fun for anybody. Yeah. I, yeah. And and there there are CCGs and TCGs that I like and I want to play. But it, it's just not even worth it for the hassle. So that's CCGs, CCGs. The other kind of similar type of card game is an LCG, which is a living card game. And that, that's actually a trademarked type of game to FFG. Sorry, Jace. I won't bleep it out. I heard that didn't go over well. So I'll just let that stay. It in. was obnoxious. And I told you at the time, but you didn't listen. <laughs> You did. <laughs> you had to have two men, again, collaborate with what I was saying in order for you to decide uh, that it was a bad idea. No, I figured it was a bad idea. I just didn't care. I mean, I still don't care. But I, I hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. So maybe I've learned from my mistakes. So FFG makes these card games. And the way they're different from CCGs and TCGs is the fact that um, there is a core set and then there's expansions that you can buy, but there's no like blind buying. So it's, there's not really a surprise. You know what um, those sets and those expansions are composed of. And everyone has access to those cards for the most part. If you're buying the expansion, if you're buying the core set. So then you take the items that are available to everyone and make a deck based off that. So this is like Arkham Horror, the card game, um, Netrunner, Game of Thrones card game, um, Legend, Legend of the Five, Five Rings, Rings is also an LCG. I, I like this idea. However, I don't feel like these are as popular as the CCGs. Because there's not the thrill of the hunt. I mean, people love that thrill of the hunt in there. Yeah, I think that that is some of it. Um, even though I think that several of these games look really interesting and I, I would consider playing them because I've heard really great things about Arkham Horror, the card game, and good things about Legend of the Five Rings. With CCGs and TCGs, the fact that there are certain metas that develop, they're like, okay, these cards will like whoop up on anybody else's deck 
but the main components of those cards are like $50 cards. No, that is crazy town. I mean, I may own 500 board games, but I would not spend $50 on a pack of cards, a card. So this is supposed to be a gaming glossary and it just ended up to be being a rant about CCGs and how much I can't stand CCG players. If you play a CCG or a TCG um, and you listen to us, you're probably a good person. Yes. And I love you. Or you wouldn't listen to us. Don't ever forget that. That's right. That's right. Don't forget that. Um, Prove me wrong. Keep proving me wrong in those settings and show those other like jerky fanboys that... That's not how you treat people. That's not how what gaming is about. Or girls. There are some crazy CCG girls as well. No, there are not. I can name one right now off the top of my head. Uh, okay. So okay, take it back. One. Yes, there okay. are. Okay. So I'm getting off of my soapbox about CCGs because um, I'm sure that are any of us that, pl- that listen to our podcast and play it, you're awesome. So let's talk about games that we played, which were not CCGs. <laughs> All right, so the first game I played, I played with my youngest daughter after trying another game that she cried about. So I brought out this one. And to be fair, she cries about a lot of games. That's true. So the game I played with her is called Dr. Microbe. This is from Blue Orange. They sent us a stack of stuff that we need to review. So I started with the kids' games first. And what what you're doing in this is you're going to flip a card kind of like Spot It. So these cards are just like Spot It, same company. You flip the card, and it's going to show you this Petri dish with a big section and a section of three littler sections. And what you're going to do is you have to put the colors that are showing on the card into the correct sections. And then there's a couple different rules. So whatever's in the big section is called the super bug. That color and shape cannot be in one of the three small sections. And the same shape cannot be in the three small sections as another, or uh, the same color cannot be in the small sections as the big one. So you're trying to figure out what the super bug is and then make sure that you pick a color that's in the three section that's not going to conflict with the super bug. And then the first person to do, do all that is the winner. And the way the game works is you're going to flip the card, you're going to take these little tweezer things, and you're going to grab some microbes out of this big petri dish, and you're going to put them in your little petri dish. And it's just a race to see who can fill their dish first and fill it correctly. You're going to play two five cards, I think. And then whoever hits five cards first is the winner. So that's Dr. Microbe. Uh, there's a couple variants you can do. I haven't done those yet because I was just playing with the youngest. And I actually gave her like a huge head start. So I never won. But yeah, if you like cool kids games and kids games that look nice, then check out Dr. Microbe. It looks super cool and the components look awesome. I still don't know if I completely understand how to play the game. So maybe I should play with Rory and then sh- she can teach you. Neither of us will get a head start and <laughs> she might still win anyway. <laughs> she can teach you how to play. I think I, I got it in her head after a while how, how it works. It makes sense if you see it. Explaining it doesn't work that well. But if you actually show it, then it, it all clicks in your head. Okay. I'll take your word for it. I'm sure she'll make me play it at some point. She will. Okay, the game I want to talk about is one of my favorites, and I have brought it up before, and that is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. You've talked about this before? (laughs) I know it comes as a shock that I love this game. Um, And actually, really, another reason why I kind of want to play it again is because we had played um, Chronicles of Crime, and uh, Tom Vassell went on and on on one of his top tens or whatever about how it was like a Sherlock Holmes detective killer for him. And I thought, that dude's crazy, but I will try it. 
and see. And now I'm here to say, that dude's crazy. Yeah, we're going to rag on him a little more later, so that'll be fun. I mean, legitimately, I I understand. If you're not into reading, if you don't like deduction, sure, stay out of this game. I get it. Get in your own lane. It's fine. But if you like deduction games, you cannot get better than this. Now, I'm playing through the original set. Um, I started actually with uh, the Jack the Ripper and the West End Um like cases or whatever which were freaking fantastic like amazing love them love them love them now this being the old original version it's not as good yes there are typos um they're a little bit annoying but i haven't had anything really hinder me from a case yet um so one of my best friends she came over she's the one that i did almost all the jack the ripper and the weston ones with she and i have worked through now i think the first five or six cases of the 10 that are in there. Um, really one, we're like, oh yeah, we got this. And we solved like a ton, like almost every single question to a T. It was great. It was easy. The next one, like the very next case, so ridiculously hard. We were like, what in the world? We were chasing down random leads. We were just making stuff up, trying to find anything that would give us some information to solve the you case. You got greedy. Um, I, yeah, but I love that I am challenged, that I have to really work at them. And they're intriguing. Like, they are really interesting cases. There was one case that we did where it was about these two lions were, like, taken from the circus and shot for some reason. And then you had to find out the why and other things were happening. Um, the one that we're getting ready to do next, which is, like, up on the docket, we're both excited about, has to do with um, an archaeologist who gets killed in a mummy's tomb. Like, that is cool. Um, they're just really interesting. They make you work for it. You know, you have to say, okay, this is a, if we if we have this name of a particular cigar brand, where we find that? Who do we talk to? How do we hunt down this leads? We had like a a whole passcode to work through and figure out, and find the right people to help us. You know, find the key the key to figure out what this code says. Um. It's just so good. And I'm like hastily trying to work through these cases because I want to play the Carlton House set. Um, because as much as much as I do like in Song Detective, it's clear that this this initial set of cases just isn't isn't as good as what was made later on. Um, so if you've never played Consulting Detective, but you like those kinds of things, you like Sherlock Holmes, you like deduction, I say start with the Jack the Ripper ones in the West End. Um, and then do Carlton House because I, I mean, the original ones are just okay. They're just okay. But it was so good. Anyway, despite that, despite that, it's still better than Chronicles of Crime. I don't understand what Tom Bass was talking about, but I loved it. So I played at least two cases of Consulting Detective. That's cool. Yeah. Now let's talk about another game. I'm not going to talk about Consulting Detective enough because I don't love it as much as you, but it's not bad. You don't love it at all. It's fine. You can it's say it. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to talk about a game that I think Tom Vassell was wrong on as well. And this is a game that you wanted because you thought the little Funkos were cute. Yes. And this game is called Funkoverse and we have Harry Potter. Um, so it's a game and it is a game. You have these miniatures and you're, you're walking <laughs> around a board and you may hide behind something. You may fall down because you get knocked down by rolling some dice. 
And then you may have to go stand one of your friends back up before they get knocked down a second time and then they get moved off the map. And then you play a game. And yeah. So I didn't like this at all. It was, it's like a mini skirmish game. There's a shocker. It's a, a mini's like skirmish game kind of where you're moving your people around on the board. You're basically trying to capture the other team's flag. So you're trying to get over there, get their flag and take it back to your base to score a point or two. And you're trying to be the first person to get the 10 points. It's okay. It's just, I wanted to do more than just walk and attack, but I could, all I could do was walk and attack and stand people up or take a whole turn and stand myself up. So I guess I just wanted more from it than it was. The coolest thing was when you used a special power, you had to spend these tokens and it goes over on this exhaustion track. Cause I love tracks. What can I say? The the track <laughs> was the best part of this game and it wasn't even really a, like it was just a side thing that you needed to do. So you couldn't keep using your special power over and over and over and over again. Tom Vassal loves this game. I think he's crazy because you're just walking around and rolling dice and standing people up. But if you like that, go check out Funkoverse. Any other brands, if you want, they all play the same, just different powers and people. So Funko vs. Harry Potter. Do you think he loves this, or do you think, like, he just said that he liked it more than whatever that other I think he was. gave it an excellent. Oh, okay. A seal so, of yeah, excellence. So. so it's at least an 8 on their scale, I think, or an 8.5. But, I mean, going in, you know it's not your type of game. Like, for sure. Correct. That is that is 100% true. But I at least thought it was going to be more than that. Like, I was expecting a little bit more of a game than was actually in there. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to play this, and I still would like to. Um, but for the most part, like we got this like a good deal on it, and so I said, if nothing else, I get the Funko Pops from Harry Potter, right. and I stinking love them. So I can use the gems for something else. Yeah, yeah. So I'll have to give it a go. But sorry, you didn't like it. That's right. I'll- I mean, I think I already knew that was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I'll play it with you once if you want to play it. But we can play the we I can do. play the other side of the board and try some other scenario or something. All right. Um and. The last game I want to talk about is one that we both played together. Oh, so good. <laughs> and that is Clank Legacy, the Acquisitions Incorporated um, version. We started it last night with our new hotness buddy and his wife, and we played through two of the games, and it was so good. Yeah, it was really good. So good. I mean, um, if you like Clank, you still get all the great clankiness of Clank. Like Clankiness? That's awesome. Yes, thank you. I'm an adjective. <laughs> um, so that that part's great, and it is. It was kind of nice, like you mentioned last night, that it's not like you're learning a whole new game. It's based on a game that you already know, and then we're just adding a storyline to it. We're having new things happening, um, changing up some of the cards and the rules and and the spaces and all that. And uh, that I think that was what makes it really great because we can jump right in. And honestly, our first game was pretty quick. Yeah, I think it was like an hour or something. It was yeah, it flew by. And I mean, you're still playing Clank, where you're going down, getting artifact, and coming back up. But yeah, the first time we played it, it was it was like lightning fast, which is nice because. The dragon was not being nice that first game. No, both Jason and, and our buddy totally. <laughs> it was not. It's not good. Zero. They like died underground. It was terrible. <laughs> I also died, but I made it above ground. I think everybody died. I think I think everybody died, but two of us died above ground and two of us died below ground. So that was the difference. The second game went much better. We were much quieter, apparently. Yeah, for sure. 
and did a much better job. But it is really good. Obviously, we can't talk a ton about it because people don't like spoilers. Oh. But we can't tell you the name of our ta- our our city. Yes, this is part of. This is like the biggest dad joke ever. So the board is called Overworld, and the other side of the board is called Underworld. That's not a spoiler because it's in the rule book, and it's printed on the board. So we named our Overworld Un Overwear, and we named our Underworld. Well, we haven't gotten Underworld yet, but we're going to name it Underwear. W H E R E. It's so funny and hilarious. Yes, absolutely <laughs> hilarious. What would we do without that? Oh man. You laughed. It was funny. I did not. I did not. I believe I rolled my eyes and groaned like I just did right there. Maybe you did. Maybe I heard a laugh. It was coming from Chris (laughs) because it certainly wasn't for me because I think it's stupid. That's true. But But yeah, Clank Legacy is amazing. It's great. It's great. If you haven't done a Legacy game before, um, I would highly recommend it because I I feel, especially, I mean, if you haven't done a Legacy game and you're looking for one and you've played Clank, this one is phenomenal. Um, if you've done Legacy Games before and you were like, uh, okay, there are tons of surprises and really interesting twists and turns and things that are happening in here that make it so worth it. So, um, yeah, Clank Legacy. Awesome. For our feature today, Jason has titled it, If You Like This, Try That. I titled this, uh, Pimp My Board Game Habit. When we were talking about it. Um, So we want to look at board games that people play, like mainstream board games. So we're going to look at like Monopoly and Cards Against Humanity and those kind of games that are available at your Walmarts, at your Targets, although obviously they're expanding, um, at your garage sales, the basic games that everybody gets. Um, And then we're going to recommend some games that we're like, hey, these are similar, but they, they'll do the they'll scratch that same itch. We think that people who like these other kind of um, run-of-the-mill games, I don't know, what, what do we call those? Mass market games. Ah, great. Good word. People who like these mass market games will like these kind of more designer hobby board games. And it might be a good way to get them into playing more. So the first game we're going to tap- tackle is the dreaded, the often hated, vilified Monopoly. Yeah. So let's see how I can kill Monopoly. (laughs) All right. So the game I picked, which is going to be kind of a stretch, is called Home Stretch. Now, now hear me out. Mm, I don't understand why you picked it. Just listen. Just listen. So this is a game about horses, and you're racing horses and betting on horses. But the reason that I picked this is because, one, it doesn't have a ton of pieces. Monopoly doesn't really have a ton of pieces outside of the houses and the hotels and stuff. And two, it has that same roll and move thing that's in Monopoly that people could pick up on quickly. It also has the idea of like ownership. Correct. You're owning shares of the horses, which kind of functions like the properties on Monopoly. Yes. Correct. So I think this is a good pick. Okay. It's it's not bad. I agree. It's a, It would take a little convincing for someone who's playing Monopoly to be like, oh, yeah, horse racing game. Sure. That totally sounds the same. Well, I wouldn't pitch it to like, this is a Monopoly killer. I'd just say, hey, if you like Monopoly, why don't you close that box and play this game? Because it's way better. That's what I would say. Also, because you're currently obsessed with Home Stretch. <laughs> yeah, it is really fun. I made fun of Joel all that time, and he was so right. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this, because I don't, I don't want to hear him. <laughs> Vindication for Joel. The podcast is the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Um, my Monopoly killer, I think, is much more similar to the original game, yes. so it might be easier to sell, and that is Machi Koro. Um, I don't really play Machi Koro that much anymore, but I we did play it quite a bit when we first got into the hobby. Pretty serious. Um, Machi Koro is games where you are like owning properties, although they are common kind of properties. Everyone has access to them, but you get to buy them and put them in front of you, and then you've got the rolling kind of chance that gives you revenue as um, numbers come up, much like happens at Monopoly. And so you're trying to race to hit a certain, I think, what is it, a certain number of buildings? You're trying to build, um, like, um, la- landmarks or monuments or something, be the first person yeah, to hit, like, some five kind or seven. Yeah, like, technology advancements or whatever, yeah. yeah. So you're still, it's almost like you then you're building up, like, that cash kind of thing like you are a Monopoly. So it's the simple rolling, it's the ownership of properties, um, and for me, like another, another quality that I think really helps people get into a hobby, like a, a hobbyist board game is when you are always doing something on everyone's turn. And so with Machikoro, when that number is rolled, you check your buildings to see if that number applies to you. So that's another way to keep people engaged, to get people involved in a game. And I think to kind of give them a, a better experience. So that's my choice. Much cooler. I agree. That is a good pick. Um, the obvious one is Sellers of Catan, but that's just obvious. We went different routes. But I agree with Machi Koro. That is a good pick. Yeah. And some of these, we are kind of trying to go a little bit a different route because there's all the list of like, um, why can't I think of the term? Oh my gosh, I've lost my brain. Gateway games. Oh, I was like, <laughs> you get all I, I don't know what you're saying. I can't help you. <laughs> I seriously, it's this coronavirus thing. <laughs> I have used my brain so much today to try to figure out how to deal with it. The podcast with the podcast. Katie has now, she teaches at a college. I'm talking about myself in third person. I teach at a college and they have canceled face-to-face classes. So they've suspended classes for a week and a half so that I can take all my face-to-face material and make it ready to be delivered online. And I have been racking my brain. I've been like, Cut, I have to cut out lessons. I'm like narrating PowerPoints, like all kinds of crazy stuff. And my brain is freaking oatmeal. So that's maybe why some of this stuff is real bad. <laughs> but the idea is to like su- suggest these games. We want to kind of go outside like the traditional gateway games that everybody picks because, yeah, those are going to be common easy pickups. But we're trying to help you target like the people in your life that are always like, hey, let's bring out this old and busted board game. And you're like, God, not that again. No. These are some suggestions that we hope will help you. So the next one that we want to tackle is the infamous Cards Against Humanity. Now, I have played this game. Unf- and I enjoyed unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, yeah. I liked it the first couple of times. I liked it for one card and then I was done. Now I don't need to see it anymore. And so when people bring this out, you might want to suggest one of these. The game I picked is called Dixit. Oh, Dixit. And the reason that Dixit is kind of, in my opinion, a a substitute for cards against humanity is it has kind of the same idea where someone's going to play a card and then they're going to basically say a story or a phrase or a clue to go along with the card. And then everybody's going to vote to see which card they think is that person's. And if you get it right, you get some points, so on and so forth. The scoring is funky, but it has kind of the same feel where there's like a judge and you're trying to pick the, you know, in Cards Against Humanity, you're trying to pick the grossest or the funniest thing. But in this one, you're trying to pick the card that you think goes with the person's story. And same kind of feel. 
It has way better art because it's not just black and white cards. Oh, it's for like sure. Gorgeous art with weird pictures. Mm-hmm. Good production. Doesn't go on as long because there's actually a score and you can just keep scoring in the game eventually. And I like Dixit a billion times better than Cards Against Humanity. So that's my pick to replace Cards Against Humanity. Now, to be fair, you dislike Cards Against Humanity for a number of reasons. One of them being you don't like party games in general. And also you don't like games where someone is the judge because you always pick the weirdest, most obscure thing that makes sense to nobody but yourself. So, yeah, of course you're not going to win. Correct. It's awful. It's stupid. Um, but, yeah, Dixit is beautiful, and I think the artwork helps draw people in. They're like, ooh, what's that? Oh, look at this one. This card's weird. Like, they get really into that. Um, we have the deck that has the gold foil um, art with it. Revelation. Revelation. The expansion is gorgeous. People love to look at those cards, use those, play them. They're those nice tarot-sized cards. To handle them is really great. And also, um, like... For me, the scoring tokens are little rabbits, and people like to play with their little rabbits. They think that's fun, even though it's completely yeah. unrelated to It doesn't the game. make any sense, but whatever. The game doesn't make sense. Right. But all those things, I think, really draw people in, and that make it a great sell to get people into like a more hobby-type yep. game, for sure. for sure. My choice is super mainstream right now. We've talked about it before. It's definitely the hotness. The best party game in the world. Um, <laughs> according to Jason, the best party game in the world. And that is just one. Um. Just one has that idea of each of the players like making a contribution and then another player kind of making a judgment call, only it does it a little bit differently. So the person who is whose turn it is, they take a card, they don't look at it, numbers one through five, they pick one of the words on there by calling out the number. Everyone else has a little whiteboard, they write down one word to help that person guess um what it is. And for me, like cards against humanity tends to just devolve from actual competition into just like, let's make something really funny. And so since just one has that cooperative feel, so a lot of people like that because then it's like, we're hanging out, we're having a good time together. It's not me beating you or asking up on somebody else to make sure they don't win. It's the working together, like the stuff that you like when you're hanging out with your bros playing cards against humanity. Or in my case, like, I had my friends come over. Um, we had taco night and they said, okay, Katie, we'll play board games with you. It just can't be anything too hard. And it has to be something that we can play while like we sit around and drink wine and chat. And so I brought this game out first and I said, Hey, we're working together. So we're all like supporting each other. It's only one word that you have to write. The rules are very simple, much like cards against humanity. Pick one card, write one word. Um, and they really, really enjoyed it. We still were able to chat. We still were able to hang out. Um, but it was a, a nice, higher quality game. So my choice is just one. Uh, you said it all. It's a great game. Probably one of the best. Best party games. Yeah. And it's like two billion times better than Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> all right. So the next game that we're going to try to pimp up is... Uh, it's, I actually enjoy this game still. It's a, a fun game. And it's like the classic that tons of other board games use, and that is Yahtzee. I've never liked Yahtzee. Oh, I like Yahtzee a lot. Yahtzee! I love it. I know, you're so weird. (laughs) So, like, Yahtzee, a lot of games use the Yahtzee mechanism. It's not really a mechanism, but it has, like, that same type of deal. So, playing on that, the first game I want to talk about is essentially Cthulhu Yahtzee, and it's called Ancient Terrible Things. And I think yeah. you played this one, right? 
I have. Oh, yeah, a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played it with Mike McCorney. That's right. I forgot. At Origins. Number one fan. Yep. Um, and like Knights of the Board Game Mechanics in the Riveted Kingdom. <laughs> yep, that's true. <laughs> uh, so Ancient Terrible Things, uh, if you don't know what it is, it's basically a more gamery version of Yahtzee. So you have this little token and you're going to be going to one of these, I think, six or eight locations that are out on the board. And you're going to be trying to fight an elder god. And each location is also going to give you a special ability that you can do just to either get some special tokens or help you make it more possible to defeat this elder god. The way you're going to defeat the elder gods is going to be by rolling dice to try to get certain types of combinations on those dice. You may need a four of a kind. You may need a three of a kind. You may need a, a Yahtzee or a five of a kind. You may need two fives, two sixes, so on and so forth. Whatever the card says you need to do, you need to at least do that or better. You go do that, you beat the monster, you get some points. If you don't beat the monster, you go crazy a little bit and you get some, um, I forget what it's called, um, madness tokens or something. Sigils. Yeah, something. But it's negative points at the end of the game. So if you fail, you get negative points. If you succeed, you get points. You're going to play until either all the crazy tokens are gone or the deck runs out and whoever has most points is the winner. It's got a little bit of set collection, but at its heart, it's Cthulhu Yahtzee. So if you like Yahtzee... I think this will be a good next step, and that's Ancient Terrible Things. Yeah, um, this one has a little bit, there are more rules to it, so it's not oh, as hard. there are a lot to, more rules, yeah. yeah. It's not as hard to like just get out because there's set collection stuff and other things happening, um, but very similar to like Elder Sign and Kingsport Festival. Right. Kind of those types of games, but you've got the dice rolling and like if you love that and you like looking out for sets and runs and all that stuff, then this definitely scratches that itch for sure. Elder sign was a good pick. I forgot about that one. That would have worked too. <laughs> I didn't mention it because you picked this. So, <laughs> all right. My pick is a little bit different um, than Yahtzee because it's actually a dice building game and that is dice forge. So um, I like dice forge because the some of the like real beauty of Yahtzee is the fact that you're just rolling and chucking dice. And so in Dice Forge, you get that same thing. And then you also get to improve the dice. Another thing about Dice Forge, like, I mean, Dice Forge is a great game anyway, because again, there are multiple paths to victory. You're upgrading your dice. Do you want to go straight for the victory points? Do you want to try and get these different stones and elements so that you can get cards to give victory points? Do you want to get coins that you can turn into victory points in different ways? Um, just all those different ways are happening. So there's really cute artwork in it. It's really pretty. I think that's a big draw for people um, who aren't into hobby board games. And also on every turn, no matter whose turn it is, you're rolling your dice and you're getting something. And I think that helps keep people involved, invested. They're hanging into the game like, ooh, what do I get? Get Okay, yeah, yeah, I want, I want, I need some money for return. Or, oh, I need some more like orange gems, whatever. Just um, that kind of, of mechanism, I think, helps newer gamers, like, stick to a game. So that's why I picked Dice Forge. It's a good pick. Uh, it's not quite like Yahtzee, but it has that same same dice deal. So, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, good it's a little bit of a stretch. I get it, but I just think it's so accessible. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. And it plays in 30 minutes. Yeah, it's great. All right, so next is probably, I don't know, it's one of the more popular games that people still play. And Katie loves it because it has to do with putting tiles down to make oh words. Oh my gosh. Stop. And it's called Scrabble. You would think I would love this game, but despite my love for words, I am super terrible at Scrabble. 
Yeah, not a fan. Just because you don't get the triple word score and all that stuff strategy. Yeah, there. I'm not strategizing. I'm just trying to make like the best word I can, the most interesting word with all the letters that are there. Yeah. So I totally you don't four pay, points. Yeah. So I totally don't pay attention to like where I should put <laughs> it or anything like that. I'm like, yeah, screw that. This is a cool word. Look what I made. <laughs> all right. So uh, the game I picked for this is not tiles, but you are still making words. And it's called hardback or paper pack, paperback, whichever you prefer. Um, but I like hardback a little bit better because you can have wild cards. So what hardback is, is it's a deck builder like Dominion or Tanto Quare or something. But the cards are letters. So you're going to be using those cards to make words, to get different types of powers, different buying ability to get different letters that come into your hand. Maybe give you some ink so you can... Um, make one of your cards a different letter, um, some invisible ink that does something else. I haven't played this for a while, so I don't quite <laughs> remember all the way, but essentially it's a deck builder that you're using cards in your hand to make words. So I thought since Scrabble's about making words, hardback slash paperback is about making words, that at least they would share kind of a similarity, but also while leading you into a whole new world of deck building and more gamery games. So mine is hardback and paperback. Go check those out if you have not. Scrabble Killers. I actually do like these because unlike Scrabble, like it's much easier for me to get bonuses and stuff. <laughs> than right, yeah, because you're just playing cards and all that. Right, yeah. right. I think it's the spatialness of putting stuff down. Apparently, I can't handle it. That's sad. And actually, yep. like we have played Scrabble before, and I have played it on many occasions. Actually, Jason and I, like not as a joke, we really did play this on our honeymoon. <laughs> and I yeah. played Scrabble. I actually like Scrabble. I like it quite a bit, actually. And you beat me really bad, and it makes me so mad because I <sighs> like know so many words, but uh, right, yeah, the strategy is beyond. So I chose also another game where you're using cards to make words, but you're also using those words in a really cool way. So the game I picked is Spell Smashers. So this might be a little more advanced. Um, paperback and hardback are a little more straightforward with just using these cards you get to make words um spell smashers takes it to the next level so you're making words to then use them to like generate power to beat up on monsters which i think is like a really fun twist so even if people don't like word games um there are people probably like someone might like word games in your party and someone else is like oh i don't like that i just want to fight this is the beautiful blend of both word worlds so in this game you've got cards um that have different like strength value and they also have an element to them. And so then there are these monsters that are out there to fight. They have certain amounts of strength. And so you're trying to build a word. You're going to take your strength against it. Um, sometimes the elements are like stronger against certain monsters, weaker against others. You've got these great little bonus things that you can buy to like help you out in your fighting. Um, and it's at its heart. It is making words and so there's the strategy of okay what kind of element do i need what word can i make that can kind of finish this guy off and that's going to give me points it's going to give me a letter that i can count on all the time um it has like those basic scrabble mechanics but it just like pimps it out a little bit so that's spell smashers yeah this game is really weird it has a really weird theme um who would have thought a word building dungeon crawler would be a thing yeah, it's, it's odd. But yeah, it's, it's really good. It's just basically building words. And then as a side effect of building that word, you're also beating some monsters down. So yeah, yeah it's fun. 
All right. And last, um, we want to talk about people, games for people who primarily play card games. And for a long time, this was me. I played Euchre. I played Hearts. I played Spades. I played regular Euchre and Bid Euchre. Um, I played Rummy. Rummy. I played Crazy Eights. Um, Gin Terribly. Oh, I love gin. Oh. I know. Jason's like a 90-year-old woman oh. who likes to play gin. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I love gin. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I also cannot win at that game. He beats me so bad. I'm like, I don't think I know how to play this game, apparently. <laughs> um, and so there are a lot of people that are like, I'm just into card games, and they're not into board games. So we have a couple of games that are kind of help you ease that transition and pimp up the card game. Um, so the one I chose is called Dice Town. This may seem totally crazy because instead of cards, there are dice. I get that. The thing is, the dice are cards. They are your um, king, like ace, king, queen, Jack, 10, and 9. Yep. And so you are rolling these dice to essentially build a poker hand. And so if you're a card player, you get that. You're like, yeah, I know how to build a poker hand. I know I want four of a kind. I know I want to get, you know, a royal flush, whatever. And then you're going to use those dice to help you do different things in this town. Are you going to rob the bank because you have the most of queens or whatever? Not stock queens, but... Um, are you going to get stuff from the general store? You're going to try to, to get as much stuff out of the town as you can based on your dice rolls. Um, people, it's really accessible because people know poker. Also, a lot of people still really love to roll dice no matter what, even if they are card players. So this game comes with these cups, these plastic cups. They're just basic, stupid, chintzy cups. You throw the dice in and you just shake those things and you slam them down and like something about that action of all it's, the like, it's very fun. It's really satisfying that dice shaking and that slamming it down, and then you making your choice from the the dice that came out. Um, people dig that, and it's not a super foreign concept. You've got the dice rolling, which is usually familiar to them from Yahtzee or any other type of dice based game, and the card hands from poker. And so then it's just saying, okay, well. Let's go down this row of buildings and you look at the poker hand you have. How many kings? How many queens? How many aces? And let's see how those play out. Um, really fun, super simple. Plus the Wild West theme is a lot of pe- things, something a lot of people love. Um, so that's why I chose Dice Town. Yeah, I totally agree. And everybody knows poker. Um, so this could actually fit maybe on the Yahtzee section too, but right. I think it does kind of replace a card game a little better because you're essentially building hands of cards. So yeah, I like this big a lot. Thank you. All right, so mine, I'm going to tackle trick-taking because I feel like of all the card game genre, trick-taking is what hobby games like to tackle the most. Mm. And I'm going to squeeze in two, but they're essentially the same. One is for more than two players and one's two-player only. So the multiplayer, meaning more than two, is going to be Skull King. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. This is a trick-taking game. It's a normal trick, like Euchre almost. So you're going to bid to see how many tricks you think you can take, but the... Interesting thing about this one is you're going to start with one card and you're going to go up to, I think, 10 cards in your hand. So you're trying to decide if you're going to bid zero, if you're going to bid, like when you get to 10, if you want to bid 10 or you want to bid somewhere in the middle. But in this one, there's also going to be some different suits that do a couple different things. So there's going to be like a, an always trump suit, which is black. There's going to be some cards that always trump those cards. Just some interesting little tweaks around the edges, but at its heart, it's a better version of Uger. So that's Skulking. Yep. 
And for my two-player only game is another trick-taking game, and it's called Fox in the Forest. Um, so this has three suits. It's basically Euchre again, but all the odd number cards have special abilities. So I may pay, play a nine, and you may play an, a, a ten, but because my nine has a special ability, it may take your ten in the trick. And then you're trying to either get zero to three tricks or seven to ten tricks to get the most points. If you take all of them, you lose points. And if you take like four to six, you lose points. So you're also you're trying to balance how many tricks you're taking with what powers you're trying to use because you want to take either a lot, but not all, or some, but less than half. So it's it's a tricky like balance to try to get the most points. You're trying to be the first person to hit 21. So... Trick-taking games, those are probably two of my favorites. Skull King, Fox in the Forest. Yeah, um, Skull King is good. Um, I have trouble with the bidding mechanism, but that's just me personally having problems with it. And I've never played Fox in the Forest, but I've always wanted to. We just haven't played it. It's really good. I played it with uh, Keener, and it was really good. Yeah, and he really loves Euchre, too, so that's a natural fit for sure. Um, I was trying to think if there were any honorable mentions. Um I had been thinking about Clue, and there are all sorts of, like, deduction games that are kind of pimped-up versions of Clue. My personal favorite, our personal favorite, I would say, being Mystery of the Abbey. Yeah, I would agree. Yep. Um, is there any other? Uh, yeah. I was looking around, too. I don't I was trying see to much. think of what else. Trivial Pursuit, um, I would suggest Timeline Challenge. Yeah, I, that's a good one. Timeline Challenge. Or just Timeline in general. Yeah, Timeline in general. Um, I don't know. That's yeah, I think we tackled the big four, and those additional two are pretty good. Chess. Um, a lot of people really like Onitama. Garinto. Garinto is good. Yeah. Is good. Yeah. We don't play a ton of abstracts, but basically, if you like chess, um, look on BGG, and there's a billion abstract games on there. For Find sure. one that you enjoy. For sure. So <laughs> is, is there a game that your friends want to play that you can't stand that you wish there was a substitute for? Tell us in the comments, either on YouTube, um, on our Facebook page, in the Riveted. If you're not a member of the Riveted, our kind of fan group, please request to join. It's so easy. Um, just We just ask what kind of game that you want to play right now. And we'll let you in, even if it's a terrible game. We don't care. Even if you want to play Monopoly right now, I'll let you in. <laughs> even if it's a CCG. <laughs> even if it's a CCG from FFG. <laughs> we'll let you in. <laughs> Um, but thanks for listening. Uh, please feel free to hit us up. Talk to us. We love you guys. Without you guys, we wouldn't be here doing this. And we so appreciate all your comments. Those of you that are like updating us on what games you're playing, that are interacting with each other. You guys are awesome. We have like the best community out there for sure. Oh, I totally agree. Um, the Riveted group is almost to a hundred people, which is pretty exciting. So I'd like to see that threshold get met here shortly. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. So excited. All right. I think that's all for our uh, our COVID-19 uh, watch 2020. The podcast from the podcast. <laughs> Live long and prosper from the podcast from the podcast from the podcast. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah, nice callback. Hey. Um, thanks, everybody. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming. Keep gaming.